it's your first time with us, welcome. And if you were here last week with us, I hope that your minds have been like spinning <laughs> and that you've been inspired by the message that we heard from Pastor Steve and Kevin about this, this real life story that was based in the New Testament, Acts 2.42 of this beautiful church. And just like them, you and I, we're writing a story with our lives today. And I hope that that story a thousand years from now is so inspirational for, for generations to come. Um, but I'm extra excited today because we're writing this story along with my brother, my best friend, um, Daniel, who's here with me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you guys, with my brother. We've done ministry in, in a lot of different ways. We actually have basically the same job. Yeah. Uh, we lead worship, but same also job, same speak laptops. every once in a while. <laughs> basically the same person. Uh, but just a little bit about me, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, my name is Daniel. I've been married for 10 years to my beautiful wife, Amanda. Um, I also have three daughters, uh, which means I live in glitter and dresses. It's just my life right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm at a church in Woodland, California, just outside of Sacramento called LifePoint. Um, and I'm just excited. Tell them the name of your dog. So I'm excited to be here <laughs> with you. <laughs> Glitter dresses and his dog's name is Sparkle Beauty. <laughs> I don't call her that. I call her Black Dog. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to continue uh, this conversation uh, with you guys and just kind of helping thinking about what the story of Scripture is and yeah. how that story applies to and affects the story of Cornerstone here. Yeah. And so right now we're on our final week of this series, A Kingdom Unlike Any Other. And we've been talking about the beauty of the kingdom that, that Jesus created. I mean, and seeing it so clearly these past few weeks have created this strong desire to just distance ourselves from anything that is not hmm. this healing, perpetually others-focused, wrapped in selflessness thing that Jesus laid the foundation for. I mean, Jesus is the embodiment of this beautiful kingdom. And so as a church right now, we're doing the really hard work of thinking deeply about what it is we need to root out or rip away because we don't want to be anything that is not like Jesus. Yeah, and I think, I think we'd all agree that's what we want. Yeah. Like deep down, that's what we want, being faithful to the kingdom of Jesus while we live in this, this broken kingdom that is clearly broken around us. But it definitely requires something of us. It requires things like initiative and mm-hmm. discipline and maybe, maybe especially determination. Oh, absolutely determination because, I mean, it takes work for this to, to come about. I mean, this kingdom, it's not passive. Um, it's, it's not something that's brought about on accident. Mm. It's, it's advancing and it's formidable um, in the better sense of the word. It's formidable. And gosh, it started 2,000 years ago with Jesus who is saying, this is going to spread from Jerusalem to mm. Judea yeah, to everywhere. the ends of the earth. Yeah. And so like, I, I just can't even imagine or fathom that vision in a, such a small place. Well, something that we're constantly reminded here in the East Bay is that only two to 3% hmm. of the people who live here wow. um, profess a faith hmm. in Jesus and have that relationship with Jesus. And I can only think about how, what Jesus started back then, started with way less than two oh, or yeah. 3% yeah, of right. people believing in him and who he was in this kingdom that he was gonna establish. But mm. this is why this kingdom is so formidable because that kingdom spread to where we are today yeah, yeah. on the other side of the earth. Right. And so I'm excited about uh, what we get to talk about. I mean, in Jesus' own words in John 14, 12, he says, whoever 
whoever believes in me um, will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these. I mean, greater things like the thought of that for me is so exciting and it's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's simultaneously confusing yeah. because I think we have a really weird, warped, broken relationship with what it means to be great, what it means to be the goat, this word <laughs> that we hear tossed around for so many different things. Yeah. And, you know, the questions come, should we even want to be the goat? And here today, mm. um, is it something that's worth pursuing, especially within the context of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and talking about greatness and that idea of the goat, I think very specific things come to mind when we think about greatness, yeah. right? So, so for, like, for you, what is the greatest thing you have ever seen? Greatest thing I've ever seen? Uh, it was recently, the, the family and I went to the Grand Canyon and hmm. gosh, the thing doesn't, it doesn't look real. It looks like you're, you're watching this painting. <laughs> and you're aware that you can die. So like, you, stay, <laughs> Very aware of you that. stay back from this thing that doesn't look real. But I mean, that was, uh, that was probably the greatest thing I've ever seen. That and then the birth of my four children. That's a good answer. Which is like equal parts great, equal parts terrifying. Oh, yeah. yeah, how about for you? Uh, so for me, I mean, you know, baseball is a big part oh, man. of my life. Baseball you is know, the worst sport Something you missed out on sports. a little bit, you know, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> these, <laughs> these guys that are filming even agree with me, baseball, they're all nodding their heads. Baseball is heads. the worst sport of amazing. all sports. Yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, so for me, baseball is a big deal. And so uh, uh, growing up playing it a lot, I remember being um, at the stadium mm -hmm. when Barry Bonds broke the single season uh, home run record, hit number 71 and 72 off of the same pitcher. And just, yeah. just, I mean, it was packed. It was like we were watching greatness round the bases in that moment. It was, it was a pretty it must phenomenal have been moment. Wild. Oh, yeah, it was all nuts. Right, so we're thinking about athletes. <laughs> greatest athlete of all time. Ooh, the goat, the goat. So I know you're, you're supposed to have one technically, but I have really- You can't, you can't do that. No, I, I, let's just hear me out, just hear me out. Okay, the greatest of all time is someone who <laughs> dominates their sport in a way no one else ever has, Okay. right? Tiger Woods and LeBron James have both dominated their sports yeah, in ways no just, one ever has. I just, I can't, just I can't. You with golf and baseball. <laughs> <laughs> just speaking your language, right? Oh man, well. <laughs> I'm 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 with you on on LeBron James, the Tiger Woods thing. I can't really get down with. Someday. But Le Le LeBron James, I've been trying to get our folks here <laughs> in the East Bay to like come with me hmm. down to SoCal to LA and like <laughs> be about that life. Uh, gosh, thinking about that, 2016, that was the greatest Father's Day <laughs> of all time because I don't know how the stars aligned this way, but it was. It was game seven and on Father's Day and Kyrie hits that game winning <laughs> shot and I lose my mind. We had some friends over that day and I scared their entire family because I even started ripping my shirt. <laughs> like, Sounds like an appropriate response greatest to me, right? moment of all time. So East Bay, if you want to feel that same elation that I felt in 2016. And also have to buy some new shirts. Come with me. Yeah, and also have to buy some new shirts. Okay, come okay. with me to the Lakers. Okay, what about, what about this? What about this? Whose church is the greatest? Oh, man, I don't, I don't think we need to go there. I, I think, think it go goes without saying, right? I think we just know. Yeah. I think we, Cornerstone, I think we just you know. know. You know. I think we know. But it's... Gosh, there's, there's something about greatness that's really confusing because it's always this dumb comparative thing and mm -hmm. um, the categories are really anemic. I mean, 
the Grand Canyon, for example, <laughs> it's like the biggest hole. And so it's de facto the greatest hole of all holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, totally. I mean, even thinking about with sports, with the GOAT debate, the greatest of all time, like that's going to be endless. Those kind of debates are endless, um, but it really connects with what we're talking about here today and in, in thinking about greatness, mm -hmm. right? How we measure ourselves against one another. It's just something we struggle with, wrestle with all the time. Yeah. Um, really how positional greatness specifically is something we wrestle with. Mm -hmm. but, but in all honesty, I think our world and even we ourselves are starving to witness the power of communal greatness, mm -hmm. the communal greatness. Like we, we do wrestle in our culture with being individualistic. Yeah. Like it's, it's part of, it's embedded in our culture. Um, but I think we all genuinely crave the greatness that comes in community across the board, whether it's mm -hmm. socially or politically in every area, we want to yeah. see that. Yeah, I think that's rare. Mm -hmm. Communal greatness is rare because generally how do I elevate myself? And it's an individual who rises above right. the rest, but a community right. that does something great. I mean, that's so beautiful. And that's why um, the stories about greatness in the kingdom of God are so important for us to consider today because, I mean, words like average or mediocre or forgettable, I mean, those are words that we would want to use to define the essence of our life yeah. stories. We don't want to be labeled as those, no. But at the same time, like striving for greatness can feel like a stretch. Mm. I mean, so the question is, should we pursue it? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mm. Um, so let's open our Bibles or Bible apps um, to Matthew chapter 20. And together through this, this time that we have together, we're going to be looking from verses 20 through 28. But before we do that, uh, let's pray together. Mm. Lord, I thank you that your greatness, your incredible, overwhelming power and intellect, um, it meets us right here in, in our limited, weak, feeble understanding. Mm. Um, and we pray right now that as we think about this, that you help us to understand the way that you view what greatness should be. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, Cornerstone, let's, uh, let's begin reading uh, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to start with verses 20 and 21. It says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Hmm. Like something that jumps out straight away. I mean, these sons, James and John, like they have this nickname, yeah. the sons of thunder. Yeah, something Jesus this gave name them that early. Jesus yeah. gave them early on. And mm -hmm. um, what cool names. Like, we weren't given that. No. <laughs> I, I think At least nothing so epic. Nothing so epic. Mine, John, John, John O, John Boy. Super creative. Johnny. And yours, <laughs> yours from mom, uh, Puddin, hmm. <laughs> which is Appreciate Which you is great. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also got favorite son. Whatever, well, so. whatever. But the second thing is that I couldn't imagine mom going before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> and, and just asking, hey, can my sons, hmm. obviously that I love, but can my sons hmm. sit at your right hand and your, your left hand when this kingdom is established? And I mean, that makes me only think that this was a really 
important question, this yeah. position, these positions were really important for her to see, can they be there? Yeah. So like, why was this important for her? Yes, I mean, there's actually some biblical evidence that uh, she may have even have been Jesus's aunt, mm -hmm. right? In which case, maybe she's trying to get some kind of special family treatment for her sons, uh, which yeah. is interesting. Um, but their request actually stems uh, from something Jesus promises earlier in chapter 19, verse 28. Mm -hmm. um, it says, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, speaking of, of his kingdom, right? Yeah. When it's fully established, yeah. his reign, his authority here yeah. on earth. Um, he says, uh, at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, right? Speaking to his disciples mm -hmm. will also sit on 12 thrones, mm -hmm. judging the 12 tribes of Israel, mm -hmm. right? The, the problem though, was they clearly missed or maybe were confused by the second half of what Jesus said right after this, which directly ties mm. into our conversation of greatness. Mm. Um, Jesus says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mm. father, mother, wife, children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Yeah. But then he says, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Like, mm -hmm. like yeah, those thrones are yours already. Yeah. They're promised to you. Yeah. But the best seats are actually for those who give up yeah, everything but. to follow me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they kind of maybe missed that but or were confused by that. Hmm. Um, and then just before this story where their, their mother asked this question, um, Jesus says something that probably reminded them, right, of these thrones that they were promised earlier. Yeah. All right, let's look up to verse 18 of chapter 20. Uh, Jesus says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. Right? This is where they start thinking to themselves, oh, this is when it's going to go down. This yeah. is when it's happening yeah. now, when Jesus is going to overthrow Rome. This is what they've been waiting for. It's what they've been waiting for, these thrones that they are going to get, but they, they miss it or are confused, at least in, in some ways. Hmm. Or maybe, maybe they didn't miss it. Hmm. I mean, maybe, gosh, they've been spending so much time with Jesus that they witnessed the miracles and they witnessed his power. Hmm. And so maybe in that moment, they're sort of putting on this same mindset that Peter put on in, in Matthew when he says, Jesus is telling them, I'm going to be killed. But hmm. Peter rebukes Jesus and says, like, this will never happen to you. Hmm. Oh, I think it's very similar. I think, I think we, kind of reading this story, looking in, should at least appreciate James and John's deep conviction mm -hmm. that Jesus would one day establish his kingdom. Yeah. Right? They believed it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but how they pictured it would happen was definitely a little bit flawed, kind of seen through a broken glass. Yeah. Um, because Jesus said, again, right after that, the Son of Man will be condemned mm -hmm. to death mocked and flogged mm -hmm. and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. He's pretty specific. Very specific. Yeah. Um, but clearly they, they kind of checked out and, and missed this really, really crucial part. Um, it's, like, it's like Jesus brought this up a lot, mm -hmm. a lot with them about what it means to be a part of his kingdom, but they still, they still miss it. Mm -hmm. And so how much more necessary is it for us to be reminded as Jesus continues to remind them, right? That, that the kingdom he wants to establish mm -hmm how it's actually formed. You yeah, know? I feel like that's just something that we all struggle with. I mean, we check out. Maybe some of you guys have been clicking away <laughs> at screens on the side. I don't know, but yeah. this is like the human condition. Like we hear really important things and we miss it all the time. We check out. And so it's really important that we hear things repeatedly. Repetition mm -hmm. builds remembrance. And so, I mean, we get tired of hearing about greatness or pride or general concepts of humility or things like that. And just because we've heard it so many times before. And so I think if, if we're all being honest with ourselves, um, we're a lot like 
James and John. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, if we're honest, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but the one thing I do love about Jesus here is that he chooses to use people like this. Mm-hmm. He chooses these kind of yeah. people, right? We can't help but notice just the absolute patience yeah. of Jesus with his disciples as they continually miss the mark, get yeah. confused as to what he's talking about while he is staring death mm-hmm. in the face mm-hmm. on his way to Jerusalem, knowing mm-hmm. what's going to happen there. And, and man, for me, this just gives me so much comfort, yeah. right? Knowing how often I miss the mark and yet Jesus still chooses to use mm-hmm. me for the sake of his kingdom. And, and I pray for this kind of love and patience for others that yeah. he is showing to the disciples as he's going through these difficult seasons. Yeah. Um, but clearly they were too focused kind of on the prestige, the honor, the glory that they wanted in this kingdom. Yeah, I think that all of us in our own ways, um, in our own forms, sort of want that glory, that prestige, that mm-hmm. honor. Um, and theirs just happened to sort of materialize in, like, I want the best seats. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I call shotgun, <laughs> and like I'm not sitting in the middle seat, and mm-hmm. I'm not sitting in the back seat. No, no, no. No, on they want a kingdom ride. They wanted the right and the left yeah. hand yeah. Right, of the king. Right. Mm-hmm. These are the two places mm-hmm. of, of honor. Right. The most prestigious seats they could possibly have. They kind of just wanted to coattail their way to the top. Yeah. You know, from yeah. Jesus. But man, this this picture of positional greatness is so distorted for us when it comes to thinking of, of the kingdom of Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and again, we all struggle with this, right? I mean, I mean, how can we not struggle with this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that struggle is something that has been around since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, since Adam and Eve who saw there was potential for more mm-hmm. and who sinned because they wanted to be like God and mm-hmm. um, they wanted to get, in a sense, promoted and um, because God's great, and I think I can be great in that same way if I just do this sure. little extra thing. And, yeah, right. and so I think subtly sometimes um, achieving greatness, it feels like it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's worth the comparative games that we play with each other where we're looking over our shoulders at our right and our left at um, who's doing what and going, mm-hmm. gosh, they did this a lesser version than I could do. And so mm-hmm. I feel better about myself mm-hmm. because I've just elevated myself. Constantly measuring Yeah, yourself. we look yeah. over the other shoulder and go, oh man, they did better than me. And like somehow my value is attached to mm. the reality that I think they're better mm. than me because it's this status-driven, like ladder-climbing um, sin, right? And so often we give into this. Yeah, I think, I think very often, again, if we're honest with ourselves, we give into this very, very often. But, but at the same time, I mean, just thinking of this story, I think one of the most interesting parts of this story here is this, is Jesus doesn't tell them not to strive for greatness. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell them not to. It's not, it's not a call for no aspirations, yeah. no passions, no goals, no plans, right? Mm-hmm. What he does is he simply reorients mm-hmm. their understanding mm-hmm. of it, of what greatness actually is. Let me show you how. Yeah. Um, and so what we learned from, from these two brothers who are much like us, yeah. right, is, is, is that we must aggressively actively and with intense determination resist giving into like like wanting that positional picture of of greatness yeah and he he repaints that picture Mm. for them and that gets redefined with this like symbolic cup Mm. that jesus asked them if they can (laughs) and then also tells them they will partake of yeah yeah i mean let's let's continue reading to see what this cup is all about um in verse 22 jesus answers and he says You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Hmm. 
And they said to him, we, we are able, like, like we can. We, they yeah. kind of continue with that narrow view of what the yeah. kingdom actually is yeah. and what it means, are confused still. We can. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, mm -hmm. but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by mm -hmm. my father. Mm -hmm. Interesting response. He, he asked them if they're able. They say, we're able. And he says, yeah, you mm -hmm. actually will drink yeah. my cup. And so th this cup Jesus is talking about is clearly similar, right? Yeah. That he will drink and that they will, they will drink, but it can't be the same. Yeah. There's no way it can be the same. Biblically, the cup as always, both Old Testament and New, symbolized like the wrath of God and yeah. even persecution and, and suffering. Mm -hmm. Thinking more, more specifically, famously, like when Jesus is in the garden, mm -hmm. right? In Gethsemane and he's praying, he's about to go to the cross and he's yeah. praying to the take Father. Take this cup from he me. Says, Take this cup from me, mm -hmm. if, if possible, mm -hmm. right? But not my will, your will be done. And so he says, you will drink. Not, not the same, but similar, right? Yeah. In persecution and yeah. suffering, which is interesting as we look at scripture, even, even in Acts, we see James has his head cut off, right? We see John, right, in Revelation, banished to an island for following mm -hmm. and preaching about Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, as you say that, like so far, this picture of of greatness and pursuing it in the kingdom of God, it seems pretty awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, getting your head cut off and being banished to an island, I don't think that any of those things were in the minds of James and John when yeah. they were there with their mom and mm -hmm. this question was being asked. Like, yeah. It might have given them pause if they yeah, would have known Can for sure. we sit here? And mm -hmm. Jesus is asking them, can you drink this cup? Mm -hmm. Those things were on their mind initially. I mean, but I imagine that after witnessing the life of Jesus, I think they, they probably knew mm. they got it right. Yeah. Um, because their lives in a similar way, it, it answered the same question that Jesus's life answered, which is like, what's in it for others? Mm. And that's what Pastor Diane asked us mm. to consider two weeks back. Mm. Um, and so let's pick up on verse 24 through 28. And mm. man, what Jesus says here is, it's pure yeah, it's gold. Good. And what he tells his disciples, mm -hmm. like it ended up laying the foundation for the, the conversation that we had last week with Pastor mm -hmm. Steve and Pastor Kevin about like the beauty of the church, a church that had a foundation built on service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's continue reading um, in verse 24. It says, and when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Like the other, other 10 are kind of close by, 10 disciples are listening in. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, we heard what you asked. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What about us, you know? Yeah. Um, so they're upset, jealous, right? Thinking they're missing out. Um, but Jesus called them all together to mm. him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. He's like, like you know, right? Yeah. You're living in it now. Yeah. You know how the Gentiles rule, how the Romans yeah. rule over you. There's a right version now. of greatness that does exist. Absolutely. And you, you experience it every day, right? They, yeah. they know they are in charge and do everything to make sure that like their subjects know it as well, yeah. right? By hanging it over their head so that they can be praised, mm -hmm. they can be remembered, and they can impose their will so they get what they want whenever they want it, yeah. right? And so he's like, you know, yeah. right, how the Gentiles rule over you. But then he says this in verse 26, it shall not be so among you. Hmm. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hmm. Man, what, what Jesus says here, just it feels so backwards, doesn't it? Yeah. Right, because he essentially says, 
Greatness is given to the humble. Mm -hmm. It's given to those who are actually humble, which, which for in the pagan world, the disciples live in here, like humility wasn't a badge of honor. No, no, it was like a vice. It was seen as a handicap, yeah. handicap, not a virtue. Something you're you want to get stepped get on. You're going to get walked on if you adopt this posture. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, but but in speaking of humility, um, we must make note here that that humility is not the same as, as being passive, mm -hmm. right? When we think of being passive, right, it means like a lack of response, mm -hmm. a reaction to things. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's it's typically, I know for me, in these moments, typically driven by fear or laziness or or, or sometimes just selfishness, right? Yeah. But this is not the kind of humility Jesus is talking about here. But there's a, a, another kind of humility that sort of play acts as humility. It's a mm. facade, a mirage, like mm. an imposter, so to speak. And it pretends to be the real thing because it sounds like humility from the outside, but on the inside, it's us mm -hmm. in our hearts more interested in like the praise and the accolades we'll get if people mm. like see us mm. doing things that appear to be like humble that we would define as oh that that's such a humble yeah. person and so i mean these are the kinds of of postures that we adopt that we have to be really mindful of mindful of that that inner subtext and thinking about the the sub motivations of our mm -hmm. of our hearts and mm -hmm. i mean it takes us asking ourselves questions like I mean, why do i need people to know the things that i'm doing are acts of service yeah, yeah. and should I really care if no one knows? And does that devalue the act of service in and of itself? Mm -hmm. And you know, as, as human beings, sometimes we're not even aware. We're not transparent to ourselves and knowing our own yeah. sub motivations. And, mm -hmm. and so we, we put on this posture like David who, who prayed, search me, O God, and know the motivations of my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Mm -hmm. and, God, you see, because I can't see yeah. Yeah, yeah. if there's is, any offensive way in me. Yeah, this, that's exactly what Jesus is speaking against, mm -hmm. right? Right, Because he explicitly says, it shall not be so among you. Mm -hmm. These things we're talking about shall not be so among you. And that, that you about is just actually a little bit, though? plural. No, not even, not even a little bit. He's like, yeah. get rid of it, despise yeah. it, hate it, reject it. If you yeah. see it in yourself or in your community, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it shall not be so among you. That you is actually, it's actually plural, yeah. meaning not among you as my disciples, mm -hmm. right? In my community, um, those who are part of my kingdom. It mm -hmm. shall not be so mm -hmm. here. Don't let, let things like pride or being passive or false humility or mm -hmm. desire to use your power, right? And status to, to lord it over others. Don't mm -hmm. let that infect this community. Hmm. Instead, adopt an attitude, even a culture of humility, yeah. right? And, and Jesus says, the greatest are marked by service, hmm. right? That the greatest are the ones who serve the most, the ones who serve more and harder than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Not to be praised, yeah. they just serve really, really well doing yeah. hard things for the sake of others, making the extra effort for the sake of others or even willing to suffer at times for doing things like serving for others. Mm, and, and imagine um, whether it's in the context of a marriage and it's a husband and a wife and mm. there's, there's reciprocity and there's I'm thinking of you and you're thinking of me and it's just like yeah. if there is a competition, it's yeah. a competition to like elevate each other That's and serve powerful. each other. Yeah. Or if it's in the context of a workplace and it's a boss who's going, I really want to serve my employees and it's mm. the employees serving each other. And mm -hmm. you, you just think about what it would be like to be a part of a community like we talked about last week in the book of Acts and that church, the beautiful church where everyone in this community, their greatest ambition was how can I serve you? How yeah. can we serve each yeah. other? 
I mean, and that's what Jesus says. If you want to be great, which that is, would you want to be anything less? Yeah, Mediocre, right. yeah. like just barely passable yeah. as, as someone living the, the fullness of human life? No, I want to be great. Right, right. If you want to be great, serve. Right, and that, that community, like who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of community <laughs> that's serving one another like that? Um, but then he, he goes farther. He even says that they are to be like slaves. Yeah. They are to be like slaves if they want to be great, right? And the disciples knew exactly what he meant by that. Mm -hmm. they, knew, they were very familiar with what that meant, right? It meant that your life was one of service where you could claim absolutely no credit mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So essentially he says, the greatest are the ones willing to be the lowest, mm -hmm. right? Doing lowly, often unseen tasks, mm -hmm. serving in unseen mm -hmm. ways without a desire for praise from others. So, yeah. so for us, it actually, it means that actual titles yeah. matter very little to Jesus hmm. when it comes to greatness. So it really shouldn't matter that much to us. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's okay if you don't get any shine. Mm -hmm. It's okay if no one sees that you're technically just doing what you're supposed to. Right. And I mean, as I think about that word, Jesus put it in really like specific context with this word slave, mm. you know, um, it causes me to cringe in its own way because of the way that yeah. that word's tangled up in yeah. modern history. Totally. Uh, but again, our value, it's not attached to a title. Um, it's more so about, I mean, just taking on this posture of service in everything. And so mm -hmm. the titles lose their power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The title doesn't actually matter that much. What yeah. matters is what you do with whatever title you've been given, mm -hmm. right? So, so as a mom, as a dad, as a, as a pastor, an employee, a boss, student, grandparents, mm -hmm. uh, singles, officers, teachers, fill in the blank with whatever title you may be given, yeah. right? The way we are called to handle those titles, yeah. Jesus says, in his kingdom must be marked with humility. Yeah, that mark of humility, the foundation. So I'm humble dad mm -hmm. or humble student mm -hmm. or humble teacher, humble fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And, and what Jesus is saying is it's, that's, that's who I am. That's mm -hmm. how I am. As king of my kingdom, mm -hmm. this is how I operate in my kingdom, right? He is a humble, mm -hmm. serving yeah. savior. Yeah. I mean, think about, think about it. Jesus, the son of God, came to serve you, me. He came to serve us. Mm -hmm. Right, the one who absolutely deserves to be served and worshiped, the one who alone has the right to, to kind of be yeah. Lord over us, could easily exercise authority over us and make mm -hmm. us bow down and serve him. He came mm -hmm. to serve. Mm -hmm. But how? How did he serve? He mm -hmm. says by, by being a ransom for us. Mm -hmm. right, that word ransom has origins from, from practices in warfare, right? Where it was the price paid to bring prisoners of war yeah. out of captivity. And so Jesus says he came to die, mm -hmm. to give his life as a ransom for many, to release, to free us from our sins. Yeah, so Jesus basically, he chose to serve all of us by dying for all of us. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and this, is, this is the good news. This is what the gospel is all about, like the promise of God mm -hmm. that by his grace alone, mm -hmm. anyone who would come and believe and trust in Jesus and exist in his mm -hmm. kingdom mm -hmm. with him as their king, yeah. the promise is that they would be eternally saved. Hmm. Hmm. So like when we come back to the question of how do we define greatness? Hmm. Um, we define greatness by a master, a king, 
an all-powerful God who's willing to wash the feet of his disciples. Yeah. And we define greatness by like the humility of God. God who is, again, all-powerful mm-hmm. and great and a king and who comes down in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to. We have to define it that way by his silence when he's being mocked, when he's mm-hmm. being beaten. Mm-hmm. We have to define greatness by, by looking at the cross because Jesus is the picture of greatness. That's what he's getting mm-hmm. at here. He is the picture of greatness mm-hmm. in his kingdom. And I love to hear about that. I don't know what it is, but there's something every time I hear about the greatness of Jesus and then it being described with sacrifice, it just fills me up with so much excitement. Mm-hmm. There's just something so beautiful and like compelling about the story of Jesus. And, and I love to hear about it. I know we all love to hear about it. Um, but <laughs> when it comes to us exercising that same level of service and of sacrifice, it's hard to do. Mm. I mean, because we naturally, we, we face these internal and external pressures to cave mm. and to regress and to pull back and mm. to protect ourselves and to shy away from that level of sacrifice and love and deference towards everyone. And, um, and I'll explain these internal and external pressures that we face like this. Um, one question that I ask my boys all the time is, I say, hey, how do we live? Mm. And then my boys respond to me, they say, humbly, because there's strength in us. Mm. And that's like a really important question for me to ask them because I'm hoping as they go through life that it helps to fortify you know, their, their little minds and their little resolves yeah. to be the kinds of boys who will know that humility is a strength, mm. that humility is a virtue, that there is greatness in that. Um, it was a while ago, middle of summer in 2020, when we were at this bike park in, in Pleasanton. We went there a ton, <laughs> amazing bike park, all kinds of jumps and things like nice. that. And, um, it was one of the few things we could do outside, you know, during COVID, <laughs> COVID. when everyone's locked down. That's and, right. And so we're there at this bike park and um, tons of boys and girls out there riding and uh, the boys were up on this hill and there was a, a, a little boy who had gone over a hill and fallen and yeah. he was crying. And I look over and I see Isaiah riding down to go help this boy out. And, and so he picks, Isaiah's picking up his bike and he's asking him if he's okay. And, you know, the boy's got scratches and he's crying a little bit. And he walks him over to his mom and his mom was just like over the top, mm-hmm. so grateful mm-hmm. that somebody went and like, took the time yeah. to take care of her son. And, yeah. you know, cause there's a bunch of people who are standing around not doing anything. And, right. and Isaiah's like, this is what I'm gonna do right now. Yeah. She wanted to give us a hug, but obviously <laughs> we couldn't because of COVID, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, I just thought when we were driving home, I was son, that was awesome. Mm, just so proud in that moment, uh, I'm sure. Because how do we live? We live humbly because there's strength in us. We yeah. step out when maybe nobody else is, mm-hmm. even though you might know them, even though you might feel a little bit of pressure to, to go, is, this feels weird. Maybe should somebody else do this? Yeah. No, but I'm going to jump in and do it. Yeah. And so we go back there the next week and this place was packed mm-hmm. with boys riding these, these, these jumps. And um, there's like 15 boys on this hill, you know, and my sons are there and they're like some of the youngest ones there. Mm-hmm. And a boy comes riding back up the hill, like maybe not even 10 feet in front of this hill of boys. And he falls mm. and he's like distraught and he's crying. And so Noah looks over at me because <laughs> he knows what happened last time with his brother and how happy that made me. Yeah, yeah. And I know that in that moment he was feeling pressure because nobody was doing anything. But like, I kind of give, huh? give him the nod. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, son. Uh-huh. 
and he puts his bike down and he goes down the hill to help this boy out. Hmm. And the boy yells at him and goes, stop, I don't want you to steal this bike. <laughs> and I just kind of get f thrown back going, what kind of a response was that? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, who taught this kid <laughs> to say something <laughs> like that parents, when someone's yeah. trying to help you, you know? Yeah, and right. so my young son gets brave enough to do this thing where it's like, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna help. Hmm. And I'm not going to worry about the external pressure of wondering what people will think of me with a ton of people who I don't even know. Mm. And he does this and he, okay. And sheepishly like walks away, grabs his bike and comes down and I can tell he's like about to cry. So like I'm more focused on him yeah, yeah. Than, than anything else. And so Isaiah and Noah, they get in the car and I tell my son, hey, how do we live? Mm. Humbly because there's strength in us. And sometimes that means that people are going to respond in ways. Mm that are so confusing. Mm. I mean, with Jesus, mm. he came here humbly mm. and people responded in a way that put him on a cross. And so I was just so proud of my boys, yeah. also really mad. And right after that, <laughs> we literally went right to the store and I bought him two brand new bikes. <laughs> Cause I was just so pumped yeah. on, on the way that they mm. both responded mm. in those moments. Mm. And the thing about that is that, strength that's in them, it's not isolated, it's not individual, it's communal. It's yeah. something that we as a family have been talking yeah, about. Yeah. It's something that we've experienced and encouraged in each other. And, yeah. and I know for Noah, he was thinking about his older brother who showed him the example of how to do it. Mm. And in that moment, like, he's okay, I've seen it. We've talked about it. Dad gave me the nod, like, to, we're in this together. And so mm. there's something really beautiful about yeah. humility in that it's not just you trying to do it on your own, yeah, especially yeah. within the body of believers. Yeah. It's us encouraging each other towards totally. that. Yeah, and in that community, you have the triumphing together, yeah. but also the struggling together. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's all, it's all one and the same. And that reminds me of uh, this Philippians passage, uh, Philippians 2, where Paul mm. is asks, asking and, and pleading really yeah. with the church um, to live in humility towards one another, act mm -hmm. lovingly toward one another in this community. Um, and Paul says these, uh, I think, incredibly empowering words. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus. Like, like it's yours. Mm -hmm. It's mine. It's, it's ours. Mm -hmm. We have the mind of Christ yeah. who was humble, who walked humbly, who walked in service, right? Not trying to get praise from others, but because that was what was right. Mm -hmm. We have that same mind, mm -hmm. right? That means we can actually do what we're talking about here. Yeah. We can do this at Jesus by his Holy Spirit and with our determination to live well in his kingdom, mm -hmm. he makes us able to do yeah. this. And it's us. Yeah. And I love that passage because among yourselves, this, mm. this is something that we collectively yeah. do together. together. And mm. so we're, we're going to be taking a long look at the humility of Jesus here as a church on, on February 17th is Ash Wednesday. Mm. And that begins this journey where we see Jesus and we see the power of his beautiful humility and we see the greatness that's drawn from this humble posture. And man, I believe that as we look intently at the life of Jesus and as we make ourselves available to be affected by his life and as we strive for that together, that what we'll see is just this healthy version of what it means mm. to be great, mm. to answer that question of mm. man, how do we 
pursue greatness mm. in the kingdom of God. And man, I believe that our story as a church, the story that we're writing today, will be so effective for inspiring future generations Absolutely. towards Absolutely. pursuing man, this kingdom life that is so beautiful, that is so powerful, mm. that is so great. Mm. Well, um, and mm. so, gosh, this story is such a blessing and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of overwhelmed yeah. at the reality that greatness isn't what we thought it was. Mm. Mm. Greatness is service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Danny, would you pray for yeah, us? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Father, um, thank you so much, Lord, um, for uh, people in Scripture that we can relate to. Father God, we can see James and John, God, and, and easily put our names there and see ourselves there and our striving, Lord, for this picture of positional greatness, mm. God, um, being elevated above others, Lord. But we, we don't want that among us, God. It doesn't belong among us who are people of your kingdom, God. And so I, I pray... Lord, that, that as Paul said in, in that Philippians 2 passage, we have the very mind of Jesus. It is mm -hmm. ours. God, may that mind prevail. God, triumph among the church here, among Cornerstone. God, may that mind be clearly seen and evident in how the church goes humbly serving one another and serving this community. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.